you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. Good Saturday evening to you. I am Jason Kong, always joined here by Nicole Cleggett, representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much. I hope you are. I'm doing okay. The humidity, whew, it's uh, yeah, it's getting me good. It's sort of an eyelid sticker, <laughs> <laughs> I like to call it. When my, my eyelids stick to my eyebrows, I know I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm going to have to steal that one. That's a good one, Nicole. <laughs> All right, let's get to uh, the topic at hand so far for the evening. We're going to start out talking about estate planning and legal documents and making sure that we've got our affairs in order. And to do that, we brought in an expert, a return guest here on the program. That is Mark Costley. He is the founder and managing attorney of Clarity Legal Group. Mark, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Oh, it's great to be here, Jason and Nicole. Nice to uh, be on with you and uh, looking forward to a nice conversation. Definitely. I, I sure wish we could be here in person together, but, you know, given that we are in the middle of the pandemic, uh, we still have to maintain our social distancing. But it's so great to hear a friendly voice here today, for sure. Uh, you know, I always appreciate the conversations that we have. You really do a wonderful job about how breaking things down for folks listening so that they can really understand the things they need to do, know in the world of estate planning trusts and wills and one question that I had for you and and this often comes up even when we're talking to family caregivers at Transition Scotting Lights is kind of what is the difference between just estate planning and a will or is it one and the same? Uh, Nicole that's a great question and and the, the simple answer is everybody needs estate planning Uh, But some people do just get a will or just get their documents and not get estate planning. So what estate planning is, is really just looking at the whole picture, making sure that you understand sort of what document controls what asset and and dealing with how the assets are organized and how people have their affairs set up outside of the legal documents, as well as getting the right legal documents. So I think a a common misnomer then, and, you know, and 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 I'll have to say before I went through my process, you know, it was, well, I don't really have an estate. I'm not a Biltmore, right? I don't really have this big, vast sure. property. And so why would I, you know, so the, the term estate sometimes can be sort of akin to a lot of wealth. Right. Estate, estate means whatever you have. And mm-hmm. uh, I always say, you know, I, I've got some clients who have great wealth and some clients who have uh, not a lot. And uh, often it's the clients who have not a lot who are the, who, who are the most careful and take the most, pay the most attention to what they have because it's more important to them. And so estate planning is just organizing what you have, taking care of your affairs, making sure you've gotten it right. So estate planning is critical regardless of your level of wealth. So when we're looking at creating an estate, Mark, what are the parts and pieces that get included underneath that umbrella? Well, the first thing about managing this and preparing for this is to understand that when you're doing estate planning, you're planning not only for what happens at the time of your death, but what happens in the event that you become incapacitated during your life. And I think good planning, at least the way we view it at Clarity Legal Group, is focused on 
the particular goals uh, of the person we're planning for. And different people have different goals, but uh, your goals ought to be the focus and, 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 and context of your plan. So some people are trying to make it as efficient as possible. Some people are trying to avoid paying taxes. Some people are trying to make sure that exactly what they want is defined in the documents. Some people want to make it easy, remove the burden for the people that uh, are in their family or the people that, that, that are caring for them or the people they leave behind after their death. You know, a lot of different goals might drive your planning. And so that's what we're focusing on when we're doing this sort of this nexus of taking care of both incapacity and taking care of what happens at the time of your death. So when individuals sort of put this estate plan together, this includes pieces as well as their advanced directives? Sure. So uh, I think a comprehensive estate plan will always include uh, first health care documents, a health care power of attorney and a living will. In North Carolina, a lot of people don't realize this. In North Carolina, those are typically separate documents. They don't have to be, but they're typically separate documents. A health care power of attorney, which names someone to make health care decisions for you when you uh, cannot do it yourself. And then a, a living will, an advanced directive in which you talk about end of life care and put in a legally enforceable document what kind of care you would want at the end of life. And then you add to that a good HIPAA authorization that makes sure that the people that you've named in these roles have access to your health care information and can speak freely with your doctor and vice versa. So that's the health care piece. And then you need to take care of the legal and financial piece. And that means have a good, durable power of attorney, also have a will. And for a lot of people, in fact, probably for most of the people in our practice, certainly for most people in our practice, also a, a, a trust, a living trust, which becomes sort of a, a, a management vehicle for managing assets during life at incapacity and allowing assets to pass at death without going through the probate process, which is something that is a goal for a lot of people. So I guess just out of curiosity, you know, when people put these into place, a lot of times I always think of that old Ronco commercial, so I guess they can pay us some royalties for me saying that, but it's sort of uh, <laughs> set it and forget it, but that's really not what we want to do with our estate plan, is it? Uh, Nicole, that's a great point. Uh, uh, estate planning is really a lifelong process. Mm -hmm. I always say there's no point in planning unless you get it right. Okay, getting it right means something different for each person, but the other thing is that getting it right changes over time. And that might be because the law changes, it might be because the best planning opportunities change, but more likely it's because something changes in, something fa in someone's family. Maybe their health changes, maybe their wealth changes, maybe the health or wealth or marital status of someone in their family changes. Uh, maybe they lose trust in someone though or gain trust in someone they didn't have before. All of these factors can, can uh, contribute to change in the plan. Probably the biggest thing I see in, in, in changing people's uh, plans are the way they own assets. So they set up the plan. And in order to have the plan work, you have to have your asset ownership and beneficiary designations for everything, from checking accounts to your home, to your IRA, to a life insurance policy, no matter what you own, you have to make sure that those arrangements are in sync with the legal documents. And I would say the biggest change that comes to people's plans is those things fall out of sync a little bit over time. Maybe we move from one bank to another and we don't get it set up exactly the same way or from one job to another and we don't get our beneficiary designation set up correctly or whatever it might be. And then the plan doesn't work the way it's intended. So you have to think of a plan. You have to think of planning as a kind of a lifelong task that you need to revisit to make sure that it works. Because getting it right, I think, is the whole point of doing it. 
So does everybody really need a will? I often hear people say things like, well, my mom doesn't have anything, so it's all going to come to me anyway, so we really don't need to worry about a will. I hear that when we talk to family caregivers even, or I've even heard it in my own family. And so, you know, how do does everyone really need a will, or can you kind of skate through without it? Literally everyone needs a will, and I will give you an example uh, that, was, that came up in my practice fairly recently. Uh, in this case, we had a, a client who literally had no assets. Uh, before she came to see us, she had transferred all of her assets to one of her children. Uh, she was estranged from her other children, okay? So she wasn't in contact with them, had transferred most of her assets to one child. And, and she came and said, well, I want to make sure that child has my power of attorney, but I don't need a will because I don't have any assets. And and uh, I talked to her about it, and I said, I think you really do need a will, and here's why. Even if you have no assets at death, you have legal responsibilities. You might have, you might have creditors. There might, be, uh, there might be issues that pertain to your estate, and those are controlled by your executor if you have a will. And if you don't have a will, the court appoints an administrator okay, to handle these things. And the thing about having a will for this client, and I think I would say this for everyone who's listening, is you should be thoughtful and, and, and define who's going to be your executor because they're going to control your affairs under your will at death. So for this client, uh, I said, look, if anybody who is one of your children might, might step forward and say, I'd like to be the administrator if you have no will and might be appointed by the court. And that would put your daughter, who you have a great deal of trust in and who you want to be your, your, uh, your uh, executor, uh, out of business and, and put her in conflict with these children from whom you're estranged. So even though you have no assets that will be controlled by your will, you need to define who will be in charge if any issues come up. And, and, uh, and I think that resonated with her because she could really imagine what would happen if, uh, if uh, one of her children, who she was not in a good relationship with, stepped up and tried to take control of things and, 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 and create problem for her daughter who was taking care of her. So everybody needs a will, even if they have no assets. And of course, if you do have assets, you certainly want to have a will and you certainly want to be thoughtful and strategic about how your assets pass, what kind of arrangement they're going to be controlled by. That's a great point. That sense of security and that knowing that things are in order goes a long way. We're speaking with Mark Costley. He is the founder and managing attorney of Clarity Legal Group. You can find more information about them online at claritylegalgroup.com. All one word, claritylegalgroup.com. A quick break and back with more. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett and our guest on the line is Mark Costley. He is the founder and managing attorney of Clarity Legal Group. And 
We're talking about estate planning, and we're going to shift now a little bit into advanced directives. Nicole, this is something we just talked about recently with Secretary of State Elaine Marshall, but uh, there's some changes here, and I know we want to talk to Mark yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah, and I, and I th- definitely think since this is sort of a temporary change and something that's pretty new – worth repeating to folks out there. Uh, My understanding, uh, Mark, is that there have been some changes temporarily in the way uh, advanced directives can be uh, executed right now as a result of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Yes, that's right. The General Assembly and governor passed a law that allows on a temporary basis, it lasts only till August 1 at this point, uh, because of the coronavirus, they've created a, 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 a structure that allows for the remote uh, witnessing and notarization of legal documents in the estate planning arena, including advanced directives, which I think is really, really valuable for people who are uh, in the hospital or in a nursing home or an assisted living facility that has been, uh, they've been isolated, they're, they're shut down, they're trying to, uh, trying to stay well, but they have planning needs and we can't have witnesses or notaries going in to see them. They can't come see people. So I think this remote witnessing and notarization is something that should, people need to be aware of. They can get their, their documents in place with this mechanism. Great. But but for just the average citizen, you know, if, if you have a, a firm such as Clarity that's taking, you know, COVID-19 pretty seriously, might make sense just to continue on with sort of some of those curbside signings? Yeah, we have a completely new protocol at Clarity Legal Group that allows people to uh, to uh, come to our office uh, wearing a mask if they choose, and we hope they will. We'll be wearing masks and gloves. We will meet them in the parking lot, or if it's raining, we'll meet them in the parking garage, and uh, we'll have uh, documents for them to sign, and they'll be able to sign their legal documents. We'll witness them and notarize them without them getting out of their car. Uh, uh, There are other uh, good estate planning firms that are doing this, again, and we call it curbside signing. Uh, and uh, this, I think, is the, the, the safest way to do it. it involves, uh, from our perspective, very little risk. In that case, we actually take those documents inside. We put them on a shelf in a, in a folder and uh, don't even process them for a while because at Clarity, I want to be able to tell everybody who we're dealing with that if they get a document that's run through our printers or our copiers or anything like that, that it, that, that, that machine hasn't had any, uh, any document that was, uh, that came from outside of the office and went through the, through the uh, machines without having an opportunity to rest and cure and let any viruses that might be around uh, fade away. I think that's an extreme caution, but I also think that, uh, that, uh, that our clients deserve and expect that, and we want to be able to represent that to anybody. So that's the way we're handling well, those yeah. I mean, it, you know, and obviously, unfortunately, a lot of people don't really think about their estate planning until they're older, which, you know, we could sit here on both of our soapboxes and say, once you're 18, you need to really be thinking about this. But, you know, you're dealing with a number of people in that vulnerable population group. So I applaud, you know, the extra efforts you're making to, to make people feel comfortable. I think that's wonderful. Nicole, one of the things that I'm really excited about that we're doing differently, I've never done anything like this in my life, but for people who feel like they, like they really don't have their planning in place and they're feeling some urgency and, some, and having some worry about it in light of coronavirus or whatever else, we've, we've adopted a, uh, what we call a, a five-day rocket process for doing a plan. Yeah. And, and it's, sort of, it's sort of turning things on their head. What we say is, look, we'll have an initial conference with you, which will be by Zoom, and we'll have your documents ready within five days. Well, what's missing from that and what's completely, really contrary to the way we do things is we're really 
completely committed to making sure everybody understands, you know, every element of their plan, that we review document language with people, that they have an opportunity to ask questions, but they're concerned about getting a plan in place. Well, we, we get the plan in place in five days, and then what we do is we deliver the documents to them, and we give them uh, for 120 days an unlimited opportunity to ask questions and change the documents if it turns out that they don't like something about the way it works. So, so we've sort of reversed the process, but done it in a fashion that lets people who are really worried about getting something done in these times, something done quickly and upfront. Yeah, I think one of the gifts of, if there are any gifts of the of the COVID-19 pandemic, which which I believe there are, uh, is that really it has opened up some conversations in families about advanced care planning because of all of the attention, especially early on, related to ventilator use and what's a ventilator and hospitals need ventilators and do I want to be on a ventilator? And so I think that's really opened the door for a lot of family units to have an open discussion about death and dying where otherwise it was a little bit more taboo when it was really kind of at our doorsteps. Uh, folks, you know, I think got a little bit more comfortable about using COVID to discuss potentially what their wishes are for the future. Yes, I, Nicole, I couldn't agree with that more. And it's, it's prompted a lot of clients' uh, questions for us from our existing clients, and they've all been good questions, and they're all, they're all having the right conversations. And I think when it comes to healthcare, making sure that the people who you've named in your documents as your healthcare powers of attorney, making sure that they really know what your preferences are is critical, because that's the, really their job. Their job is to do, when, if they are ever tasked with making decisions for you, their job is to make sure they make the decision you would have made. And so they're going to make decisions that more reflect your wishes if they've actually had good conversations with you about it. Uh, but, you know, the, I, I, there aren't very many estate planning jokes, but the only estate planning joke I know I'll tell real quickly, and that is that when people turn, uh, you know, 55, 60, 65, they think they need to put an estate plan in place, and they tell their, their kids they're doing it, and their kids don't want to hear about it because they can't imagine mom and dad dying. They're too young, right? And then when uh, mom and dad get to be 85 or 90, the kids go, hey, I hope mom and dad have their plan in place, and mom and dad don't want to talk to the kids about it because they feel like they're a little too close to the end. <laughs> uh, that, that was the joke. That's a good one. <laughs> but, it's true, though. But, but, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. But it's true, yeah. and, and it really does create a barrier to uh, to uh, having good conversations. And I think um, you know, uh, I, I, I've I've discovered over the years, and I've been doing this for 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 three decades now, and I'll tell you that the quality of conversations people have with their family members, the quality of conversations people have with their attorneys uh, is critical to, uh, to uh, having good estate planning. And so, uh, so we, we want to have a, a, a really open line of communication with our clients so that they feel comfortable asking us questions and, uh, and that we are giving them clear answers that they uh, understand. So if you would, Mark, I'd like to touch a little bit on trust. You mentioned earlier in the conversation when we were sort of talking about the umbrella of the estate plan that uh, a lot of people that come to your firm ultimately put together a trust. So what exactly is a trust and why would somebody want to do that? Well, a trust is the single best way to control the management of your affairs. It provides for efficiency, it provides privacy, and it puts someone that you have chosen in control. A trust is, is, it starts with a trust agreement that you and your lawyer put together that defines what your goals are and reflects your plan and becomes a management umbrella for all the assets that are under the trust. So this doesn't involve moving your assets to a trust company or changing what you own. This just involves taking the, the accounts that you have now, the real estate you have now, most of your property, and moving it into a trust 
from a standpoint of ownership. You are your own trustee with this kind of living trust as long as you're alive and competent. But then you name someone else who takes over in the event of your incapacity or when you die. All of those assets that you have organized under that trust, your checking account, your savings account, an investment account, or whatever you might have, those are controlled by the trust and not by your will. Because they're controlled by the trust, they avoid the court process, the probate process at death. Well, that saves money, saves time, and saves frustration. It creates privacy. And so that's really great. But I've also discovered under the years, over the years, that I think it's the the most efficient and easiest way to manage property property in the event of your incapacity, because you can name someone to take over for you. Uh, if uh, you're unmarried, you can have you know uh, uh, someone you trust, an adult child or a friend or, or an extended family member, become a co-trustee with you if you feel like you're having troubles making decisions, and you're sharing control without exposing your assets to, to that other person's creditors or liability, without giving them owner, any ownership interest, without causing that asset to automatically pass to them at your death, which isn't always good, letting the trust control it. So it's a management device, and uh, I, I find very few people walk in my door who wouldn't be better off with, uh, with this kind of trust in their planning. So, Mark, uh, really briefly, we're running out of time. I know that there was uh, sort of some buzz in the media before everything happened with the pandemic about some changes related to how people can inherit IRAs. Could you touch on that real quick? Yeah, Nicole, it's a big uh, question and issue and probably more than we have time for, but let me give you an overview. So the SECURE Act was passed at the very end of December, uh, a little bit uh, uh, unexpected that it was going to be passed, and it uh, was implemented effective January 1. It changes the way IRAs work, or 401ks, and, and so it has some implications for how you take uh, uh, withdrawals out of them yourself. For example, the age at which you were required to make take uh, required minimum distributions was 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 uh, increased from uh, 70 and a half to uh, 73, I believe. But more importantly, it changes the way people inherit IRAs. Under the old rules. Uh, your spouse could uh, take your IRA and roll it into their own and continue to take distributions out under their required minimum distribution standards, and that's still true. But for everybody else, with a couple of exceptions, there is no longer what used to be the case, which was you had a lifelong right to stretch out over your life expectancy. That's gone away. So we used to hear the term stretch IRA. Mm -hmm. The stretch IRA doesn't exist anymore. Uh, there is no stretch. Everybody is required to take out what they inherit from an IRA sometime within 10 years of the person's death. There's no fixed schedule. They don't have to take out a little every year. They just have to take it all out within 10 years. So for people who are looking for the tax deferral and tax benefit of stretching out over their life expectancy, that's gone. But there are a couple of things that you should be aware of. For people who have large IRAs, this means the people who are inheriting from them might have some income tax consequences because they might have to take larger distributions that mean that will impact the, the tax rate of the person who's inheriting. But also, there are some exceptions to this change, and one is for people who are chronically disabled. So if you have a chronically disabled beneficiary, under the old rules, we were looking to avoid paying the retirement account to that beneficiary because it might put them in a position where they would lose their opportunity to have any, any uh, means-tested government-related benefits because it was generating income for them. Under the new rules, 
we might be looking to pay that account to them through a trust that was structured to protect them because the new rules still allow the disabled beneficiary to do the stretch. So we get much more tax deferral, uh, much more control over the distributions, and, and, uh, and that, that's a positive for that disabled beneficiary. So that aspect has changed. So anybody who has strategically thought about who inherits their retirement accounts, anybody who has a, a disabled child or family member in their plan, or anybody who uh, has a, a lot of money in IRAs or retirement accounts needs to revisit how those accounts are distributed at death because the choices that they've made in the past before January 1 may not apply now. The landscape is constantly changing. That's why it's so important to have a professional who knows and understands this world guide you through it. Mark, if folks want to get a hold of you, is ClarityLegalGroup.com the best way to do it? ClarityLegalGroup.com is great. There's an opportunity to, to, uh, to uh, contact us through that account. You'll also find our phone number there, which is 919-482-0012. Uh, for those of you who don't know, our primary office is in Chapel Hill, about 500 yards from Durham. We have uh, clients all over the triangle uh, and uh, have been, uh, uh, I, I've been doing this for uh, 30 years. So, uh, so have a large client base in the area and would be happy to help anybody. Excellent. Again, it's ClarityLegalGroup.com. He is Mark Costley, founder and managing attorney of Clarity Legal Group. Uh, we have to take a quick break, but we will be back with more. Stick around. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care. Find more about Transitions Life Care at transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett and Nicole, we're going to change topics here. And, you know, with COVID-19 hitting us, um, you know, probably no set of facilities have been hit harder than nursing homes. Mm -hmm. And it's just created a, a different world. And to get some perspective on that world, we were welcoming in Ted Goins, who's the president of Lutheran Services Carolinas. Ted, thank you so much for coming on this evening. Thank you. Good to be with you. So I really appreciate uh, you wanting to come on the show today because there has been so much attention put on sort of the negative aspects of what it's been like for families and residents who are in long-term care communities throughout our state and our nation. And so I really like the idea of the way you're trying to frame a conversation and what we can do to create truly abundant living for nursing home residents during these challenging times. And so I look forward to the lens that you're going to be applying to this and really what we all can do to help support those communities in our area. Well, thank you very much. You know, I, I really don't know where exactly to start. You know, our uh, nursing homes and especially assisted living facilities across the state and across the nation have been under the gun and 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 some negative um, uh, publicity uh, in my opinion uh, wrongfully applied and I think people are starting to wake up and see that now that you know nursing homes are not where the problem started or where the problem is uh, they're kind of the canary in the coal mine um, 
if you have COVID in your community and it preys uh, worst and mostly on uh, on, on uh, uh, at-risk seniors, then naturally it would be where those seniors are, which would then be in those uh, in those nursing home facilities, so uh, and and other senior uh, housing. So I really do think um, you know the the public and and uh, and uh, experts have uh, awakened to to that situation. You mentioned the term abundant living, you know. Um, our vision statement at Lutheran Services Carolinas, uh, and, and we you don't have to be Christian uh, or Lutheran uh, to be served by or to work for Lutheran Services, but we are a Christian-based uh, organization, uh, and our foundational uh, vision statement comes from John 10, 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so we take that very broadly, that it, it, it we want abundant living for everybody, those that we serve, but also for everybody uh, that's in need of services like we provide or any health and human services. Uh, so, uh, so regardless of where folks live, and hopefully before we get off the phone, we'll also be able to talk about what your listeners might can do to help in their uh, communities uh, right outside their right outside their front doors actually definitely you know um, instead of uh, you know pointing the fingers and and sort of casting blame I, I'm definitely all about really trying to find some of the beauty in and what's going on and, and and the creativity and frankly the compassion and the fortitude that the long-term care community staff have been showing you know it's it's very much akin to Truly, uh, you know, when you see first responders running into uh, an emergency situation, they're, they're, they're running into these buildings every day, taking risks, and then going back home to their families where they could also be, you know, exposing their families to a risk. And so, uh, you know, we can all certainly dissect what could have gone better after the fact. But I think right now, our job as community members is really to provide and uplift the support, the staff that work in these buildings and do what we can to to put our arms around the residents that um, live there obviously figuratively but just to make them make them aware that there is a lot of love for them and and for what they're all going through together and I can only imagine you know this is one of the ultimate exercises in teamwork for a lot of people who are working in healthcare now I think we're seeing some teams uh, that are stronger and better for what they've gone through. I could not agree more. You know the uh, the term, and it can't be used enough. Is is heroes, uh, and these are unseen, you know, heroes that are working on second shift, uh, that are working on third shift on Christmas night when all the rest of us are enjoying our presents and and going to bed uh, after Santa Claus or before Santa Claus. Uh, these are the people that for, for their whole careers, I mean, this is not a new thing. Mm -hmm. They've always been, the heroes have always been there. It's just that COVID has, uh, this pandemic has brought them to the forefront. Uh, and you're right. They have risked their health, uh, the health of their families, uh, and in some cases risked their lives, uh, to be there to serve all of these folks, um, uh, you know, that are in nursing homes and assisted living facilities, uh, retirement centers and in group homes uh, too. People don't think about the the uh, the smaller family care homes for seniors or group homes uh, for folks with uh, uh, developmental uh, disabilities. Uh, people like that 
that uh, that require that 24/7 coverage, and those heroes uh, are now getting the credit that they deserve, and and I want to do all we can to continue to lift them up uh, into the future because they were they were doing this before COVID, and they'll be doing it long after COVID. So what are some things that we can do sort of as the community at large with extra time in all of our hands right now, given that a lot of people are still basically quarantined at home? What are some things that we can do to really help, you know, share the love and and, and spread support to some of these buildings that, as you said, are right on our doorsteps? Yes, there there is a nursing home or an assisted living, and I will concentrate on those because those are the ones that have been um, um, quarantined, you know, locked down, mm-hmm. uh, and so they can't have visitors. Uh, you know, our staff, our heroes are now, um, we've always been family. Now we are the family because, you know, uh, um, uh, there's just, uh, you know, we can't have visitors in our facilities right now, uh, which is which is sad. Uh, uh, but there are things that we can all do because there is a nursing home or assisted living right around the corner from where you live. No matter who's listening to this, there's a nursing home or assisted living right around the corner from you. And and there are so many things that can be done today. Uh, if you call that local facility, and and, uh, and I'm not just talking about, a, a, you know, we've only got uh, eight um, nursing facilities across the state, uh, but but there are over 400 nursing homes uh, across the state and, and more than that in assisted living. So you can call your local nursing home or assisted living and offer to, to um um, help sponsor a parade, you know, where, where you're just driving. I've seen so many of these uh, mm-hmm. on social media, and, and and we've had them in all of our facilities, and many others have done the same, but where families and friends just get together, they decorate their cars. Um, students can do this. A class, a graduating class could do this, um, gra- uh, decorate their cars, uh, put on their cap and gown, and, uh, and, and, and drive around your local nursing home or assisted living facility, uh, and and put on a parade for the residents. If you if you work that out with the staff there, they'll have all the residents on the front porch or out in the or in the windows all the way around the building, and uh, and it can be just an uplifting, fun thing for the for your community, and certainly for the the people that live in in that community. Um, uh, you can do window visits. Uh, you know, we're still able to do that. You have to keep the window closed. You have to use a, you know, your cell phone. But even if you don't know somebody that lives there, I bet you do. But even if you don't, you can you can call. If you called and said, I want to come do a window visit with somebody that doesn't have visitors, uh, yeah. family close mm-hmm. by, yeah. I guarantee you they'll set it up. And, hey, and yeah, if nothing else, you can write, uh, make a card, uh, make cards for folks. Or even uh, sponsor a lunch. I mean, a sponsor a lunch for the staff, you know, have, have, have a pizza place delivers or have pizza delivered for the, all the residents. I'm sure they'd love that as well. So. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a lot of things to do. A a little bit of thoughtfulness and, and caring can go a long way. Ted, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We're running out of time here, but I want to make sure that folks can find more information if they're inclined to do so is lscarolinas.net the best place for folks to go. That's right. That's our website, and uh, and uh, we would encourage you to come check us out. Excellent. Again, that website, lscarolinas.net. He is Ted Goins, president of Lutheran Services Carolinas. Ted, thank you so much for joining us this evening. We really appreciate it. Thank you for uh, inviting me on.
anytime. A quick break and back with more. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett who represents Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. You can find more online at transitionslifecare.org. And Nicole, we're uh, switching gears here, and we're going to be talking now about when is it time to make a living change. And uh, I, this is always an important topic because a lot of times this is kind of sprung on us and uh, not something that we've generally prepared for, but we've brought in an expert to help us find out more information on when it's time to make a decision like this. And uh, that expert is Paige Van Lenten. She is the Community Relations Director with Always Best Care. Paige, thank you so much for joining us this evening. You're so welcome. I'm thrilled to be here. So definitely a, a, a topic on people's minds, especially when they start noticing changes in their loved one's ability to function safely at home is, when is it time to make a living change? And I think a lot of times people come to the ultimate decision probably when they could have done it a bit sooner. Absolutely. That is definitely a trend that I see is that people are scared to make that final transition move. And the thing I want people to know is that nothing is final. You can make different transitional moves throughout. And there's, I, I have nine different signs that um, I will talk to different families about to see what level of move needs to happen. So let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, you know, some some things sort of come to my mind working in the industry as the no-brainers of it's time to make a change. But what are some of the telltale signs that families really need to start coming together and opening up that conversation about, gee, is this really the best place for mom? And, and you know, moving doesn't necessarily mean not moving from one independent home to another. It may just mean you know, changing to a one-floor home or making some modifications, correct? Absolutely. It can be anything from staying at the family home and adding some supportive services, moving into an independent living or an over-55 apartment. Um, then there's assisted living, memory cares, residential care homes. And then, you know, a lot is the, the final move could be the, to a skilled nursing facility. So it doesn't have to go directly from the family home into a skilled nursing facility. So given that in mind, you know, what are some of the some of the signs for folks that are maybe more independent that it may be time to start making a move? I know for um, my husband's grandmother, one of the signs was, well, she had asked him to go upstairs and get something off of a dresser, a jewelry box that had been there probably for five years without actually ever being dusted, not to make fun of her her ability to clean her home, but literally she probably hadn't been upstairs in five years. So everything was exactly where she said it was, and you could tell it was like walking into a museum. Absolutely. Um, probably she had the fear of the stairs, mm -hmm. the fear of a fall. Those are two big things that a family can discuss with their loved one. Another one is 
Have they experienced feelings of isolation during the day or the night? Do they need that social inter- interaction? Um, that that fear of a fall and no one finding them is a huge um, indicator that it might be time for some type of of a move. Well, fear of a fall can be literally paralyzing, and almost the fear of the fall actually puts you at more risk to fall. I mean, I, I've seen scientific studies Absolutely. about that because you just you're just you just literally change the way you walk and the way you behave, and you become more sedentary, which then makes it when you do have to move more likely to actually fall. So that that is definitely a great one to bring up, Paige. And a lot of people actually don't bring that up. So I, I appreciate the fact that you did mention that for sure. I think another one is also, you know, unexplained bruising, right? Suddenly, you know, mom or dad has a lot of bruises, which may indicate that they are falling. Uh, Absolutely. And, you know, because of the fear of the fall, another thing that um, our elderly community stops doing is is, um, hydrating. Because then every time they feel that they have a glass of water, I've got to get up to go to the restroom and that dehydration can also help with the bruising. So that is two different points to think of if you are starting to see additional bruising or color changes on their skin. I think another thing too, Paige, would be, you know, really looking around the home and is it not kept up the way it was? And I'm not talking about some little clutter here or there. Obviously, you know, mom can't get up on the step stool to dust the top of that other that cabinet that, you know, she loves. But really, you know, are there some major things that are just structurally not being kept up with the home? Or are there obviously signs that they're not going to the grocery store as often because some food is spoiled in the refrigerator or perhaps there just isn't food in the refrigerator? refrigerator, things of that nature. You are absolutely describing my grandmother from a few years ago. She was one of the cleanest ladies that I knew. And every time I would go, I would notice the dust bunnies were a lot bigger than they used to be and that the food in the refrigerator had spoiled. And um, there are absolute great programs that are out there because meal management is another one of those signs that it may be time are they able to get up and truly have breakfast lunch and dinner and have you know a snack throughout the day and um one of the the things is are they overwhelmed by the daily home maintenance responsibilities Mm -hmm. of living independently and one of the sad, sad things that 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 does happen in this world from time to time, we hear it, you know, here and there, and, and it probably happens more often than we care to even want to admit to ourselves, is that, you know, there are sometimes some businesses out there that exist that kind of go around and look for signs of an unkept home, of yards that aren't being kept up, or things of that nature. And you'll have people come and say, you know, hey, you know, it looks like your entire roof needs to be repaired, and that person's not able to get on a ladder themselves anymore and look. So if you're, if you're noticing that, you know, your loved one's suddenly spending money on things that they didn't typically spend money on and aren't really checking as carefully, that really could be a sign, too, that they're just getting overwhelmed with that home maintenance and don't want to lose their home because that's probably their biggest asset. So they're listening to the advice of some people that maybe can't be trusted. Uh, when you were describing that, I was thinking of scammers going through mm-hmm. the, the neighborhoods and, and coming online and that, you know, our um, elder community is the prime 
suspects or the, the, the prime the people that the scammers go for. Um, another indicator is if every time that you go to see mom or dad or grandma, they're wearing the same exact clothes. Mm-hmm. And maybe those clothes aren't as clean as they used to be. Um, or there is a an odor that is um, an uncomfortable odor because they're just not able to help themselves getting dressed, bathing, using the bathroom. Medication management is one of the other biggest triggers. Are are they getting, are you noticing that their um, prescriptions aren't um, run out by the end of the month? Are they taking their their medication as they should be? I also think, too, Paige, you know, another thing that folks oftentimes um, run into is really when we're starting to have some of those issues with memory, right? So, if mom, if mom is cooking, you know, is she leaving the stove on too long? You know, is she forgetting to even take her medications? Are we, are we starting to find that she's repeating herself? Or even sometimes wandering comes into play when a person goes outside and, and just sort of walks off and then doesn't know how to get back home. And so those are also, you know, some big, big warning signs that it's time to make a change. Uh, that, that is absolutely true. And, you know, another big um, obstacle that people feel is the um, the cost involved in these moves. And it doesn't have to be a drastic cost increase. There are different levels of um, senior living. And, you know, talking to an expert and seeing what is out there and what are the true needs to keep it as inexpensive as possible for as long as possible, but for them to feel safe, to not be isolated, and to have their needs met. So let's just say we identify that it is time to make a living change. How do we know what is the appropriate next place? Talking to a trustworthy person, and that is, you know, that is very um, involved in the industry, and knows what options are out there because for a lot of us um, when we're thinking about our parents or our grandparents we have the image of an old nursing home in our head mm, yep and cinder block walls all, everything white bad smell I mean these it, are the things that these are these are the myths that of, of, of places that um, we all picture and that is not what is out there especially you know living in North Carolina we are on the cusp of some amazing senior living opportunities. And, you know, a 70-year-old can go into an independent living opportunity and thrive and find hobbies that they never had time to find in the past and friendship Mm -hmm. and not being isolated. That fear of being isolated is such a big one. And you don't have to go from feeling like you need to take care of yourself 100% to the nursing home. There are so many steps in between. And, you know, going out, finding someone to tour with, and finding somebody that's trustworthy, that's not just trying to sell you a room, because there are different rooms and apartments and living opportunities for people to go thrive in. The other thing I think folks need to think about, too, is inaction creates 
a more drastic change down the road. So sometimes moving out of your home that you've lived in for 30 years to moving into an independent living community, perhaps, with some supportive services, will actually, in effect, keep you more independent longer. Because if you have that fall in your home and you break your hip and you end up in the hospital and then you end up in rehab, the odds of you being able to regain back to where you were at are really not that great. But had you moved a little bit earlier when you started noticing some of those telltale signs, and, and let's just face it, we all know what's going on with ourselves, and we all have that internal gut check. We just don't want to face it, and we want to deny it oftentimes. But making that decision earlier on and then moving in a place where there's some more supports and it's more designed for you know an older adult's needs can, in effect, extend your ability to live independently longer. Exactly. Nicole, you just hit the nail on the head. And and then having friends already developed in, in the community that you're living in, you have more of a want to get better if you're in that rehab. I tell so many families that a fall change is everything. Um, a, a If you hit your head, you break a hip. Um, and if you are able to, to, to use those supportive services and to get good meals and hydration and you're taking your medicine properly, um, those are deal changers. And it gives you the opportunity to still stay independent longer, even though you may have made one of those changes earlier than you thought you would. She is Paige Lenton, Paige Van Lenton. She is the Community Relations Director with Always Best Care. Paige, if our listeners want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? 919-453-0887 or Paige, P-A-I-G-E, at nc-seniorservices.com. That number again, 919-453-0887. Paige, thanks again for joining us this evening. We really appreciate your time. I truly appreciate y'all calling, and I just um, am here to help in any way. Thank you so much. Well, before we head out this evening, I want to let everyone know that uh, Transitions Guiding Lights is still open and functioning. Again, you can find plenty of information about them. GuidingLightsNC.org is the website. That's the best way to get a hold of them. And I know that uh, things are a little bit odd right now with a lot of these care centers um, on lockdown or not letting guests in. But if you do need assistance, please navigate to guidinglightsnc.org. I want to thank all of our guests this evening, Dr. Adam Wolk, Trish Cook, Paige Van Lenten for uh, giving us their time and for helping us with uh, an odd situation here in the studio as we had everyone here remotely. But on behalf of Nicole Cleggett, I am Jason Kong. Thanking you for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a wonderful night. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.